welcome to the Woods Edge Young Adult Podcast. We hope this message helps you see Jesus and yourself a little more clearly. Come on, man, that's so good. Yeah. Listen, he's he's not a man that he should lie. He says you're a son. He says that you're deeply loved. Hey, we can celebrate that, yeah? Why don't, why don't we real quick, why don't we just celebrate that for like seven seconds like it is life-changing news? One, two, three, go. Yeah, man, that needs to be a little bit more normal in our Christian gatherings than it is, right? We have something that is so worth celebrating. Man, it's good to be up here and uh, talking to y'all. It's been a little bit since I've gotten to communicate with y'all in this way. So I'm excited about it. Um, Man, that's so good. Listen, this is a gospel. And this is good news. That every single thing that you've lost, love is returning. Everything that we've lost, love is returning. This is the gospel. This is really, really good news. He's a good father. Who always gives back or gives better. This is what has been set into motion from Genesis, right? We saw this three weeks ago. Lee Curry, if you're new, we, we've been going through an Old Testament series. We're, in a, we're real ambitious. We were like, yeah, we could probably do the whole Old Testament in four weeks. Uh, and so this is the fourth week. We're, uh, we're wrapping it up. But uh, the, the first week, Lee Curry uh, just did a phenomenal job of, of leading us through Genesis, talking about creation, the fall, um, the plan that was set in motion to redeem mankind. And what we see that's really important in Genesis is intent is established, right? Intent is very, very important. And we see in Genesis that the intent is to dwell with us, to walk with us, communion, that we would be in close proximity with the creator of the universe the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's the intent. what we see in Genesis. Um, and then when that is, a, when there's a rip, when, that, when that's uh, damaged, what is then set into place is what? A plan to redeem it all. And everything that's been lost, love is returning. Lee, you did a phenomenal job of, of walking us through that and communicating the heart of God in a really, really beautiful way. Thank you for doing that. Um, then what we saw the next two weeks from Pastor Duncan Slaughter was he walked us through, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, man, he's so sweet. He sent me a voice memo before this, and he was like, bro, I love you, and I'm praying for you. Give him Jesus. And I was like, all right, I will. Um, and so he walked us through Abraham, right? And the important thing that he spoke to us about Abraham is the message that God gave him, which was, you have been blessed to be What? Yeah, you've been blessed to be very good. We can be a little bit more interactive. Um, So you've been blessed to be a blessing. That's what we see from Abraham. And then last week, he talked about the law. And um, listen, what we see from the law is there was help there. The law was set to help us 
to honor God. And I think one, one of the, and so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to take a, we're going to look at the prophets more so, uh, why prophets, what were they doing? And then we're going to, we're going to really hone in on what it means to be obedient. What am I really doing when I'm being obedient? Does that sound good? And again, I, I want you to know that the law and the prophets, they get a really bad uh, rep. Is it rep or rap? You hear that a lot? Rap sheet, not reputation. I feel like it could be both. Yes, the answer is just yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like law and prophets, sometimes we've not done a good job of, of communicating them. Listen, they're, they're, not a, they're not a bad thing. What, it, what does Jesus say? In Matthew 5, he says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so what I want you to know is that we should not just close off the left side of our Bible. Okay? It all matters. It is all. Lisa, said, say that again. It all matters, and it is all good, useful. Okay? Yeah, it's good news. It's good news. All right. So here's what I want you to know. You'll hear me say this a lot. Jesus is the perfect representation of the heart of God. And if you're like, I just don't have a long attention span. I need to check out right now. Then remember that. That's what I want you to remember, okay? Remember that Jesus is the perfect representation of of the heart of God. If we ever wonder, ah, what, what's God like? Or what would he do? How would he talk? How would he respond to this? We actually, we can look at Jesus. You remember what he says to Philip? He says, if you've, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip's like, hey, show us the Father. We want to see the Father. And he goes, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Jesus is the perfect representation of the heart of God, okay? And so what we see from the prophets, this is what the prophets did. What, what prophets, why prophets? Prophets were sent to communicate the heart of God and to correct, okay? They were sent to what? Communicate, yes, and to correct. Yeah, both, both are right. Both are right. So they're sent to communicate, and they're sent to correct prophets. They called us to obedience. Here's a really good uh, resource for you. If you're like, man, I'm just like jazzed up about the prophets. I want to know more. This is a book written by uh, J. Daniel Hayes called The Message of the Prophets. And it literally goes through every single prophet in scripture and it gives you who they were the setting who they were speaking to what message they were saying it's it's a really really beautiful resource and so in this i'm just going to read this is for you to to know what were they doing well here ready say i'm ready ready so the message of the prophets can be summarized in three basic points okay one you've broken the covenant and you should repent Okay, what is point one? The message is, you've broken the covenant and you should? Very good. Point two is this. If you don't repent, there will be judgment. Okay, point two is what? If you don't repent, there will be judgment. Very good. And then here, here we go. Beautiful three. There is hope beyond the judgment for a glorious future restoration, both for Israel Judah, and for the nations. Everybody. Okay? You've broken covenant and you need to repent. 
It's actually really good that you would repent. It's good that you would turn away and turn back to the only thing that can actually satisfy and sustain you. If you don't do that, there will be judgment and correction is a kindness. Can you hear that tonight with grace? Can you hear that? Correction is a kindness. When it's good, loving correction, it is such a kindness. Yep. The third point is that there is hope beyond the judgment. There's hope beyond the judgment for, let's just say this so well, a glorious future restoration forever. Israel, Judah, all nations, you sitting here tonight. Can I, can I just tell you that again, that this is the gospel, that everything that's been lost, love is returning. There is hope for restoration. Any, and, and I just want to speak directly to the dead, dying, stagnant, apathetic thing that you might have in your heart, there is hope for a glorious revival. Okay? Not, not from what I'm going to say tonight, but from Jesus himself. Okay? And this is what the prophets were doing. They were saying, hey, here's the heart of God. Would you please turn? Come back? If you don't, there's judgment, but there's hope beyond the judgment, and this is really good news. Um, and they were also, they were communicating God's heart. And so we're going to jump into point two right after I just share. Um, I was reading through Haggai um, 1 and 2, and this is a really, really cool, it's very short. If you're like, I'd love to read a prophet, but I've got 10 minutes. Haggai, good place to start. Well, uh, two chapters. And so here's what's happening. He's been sent to say to the people and to the leaders, it's time to rebuild the temple. Okay? Solomon built the temple. It's time for you to rebuild it. I'm gonna look, we're going to look at the first probably 10 verses in chapter 1, and then we're going to jump to 2 if you want to go there. Haggai. You're like, what? I didn't know that was a book. It's all right. Um, and it says that in the second year, he's talking to Darius the king. And let's go ahead and jump down to two. And he says, thus says the Lord of hosts. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Check yourself. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. I've called for a drought on the land, the hills, and the grain, the new wine, the oil, and what the ground brings forth on man, on beast, and of all their labors. Okay, so we see what's happening in that first part. You've broken covenant. You've turned away. It's time to rebuild the temple. You don't think it's time. You're spending time on everything else, but it is time to rebuild the temple. 
And because you're not, and if you don't, these are here's the judgment, right? And we, and we see that in the, the latter verses. So then we're going to go to 2. And here in 2, we get to see the uh, point 3. Remember, remember beautiful 3, the hope for a glorious restoration? We're going to go ahead and uh, jump to verse 3 in chapter 2. Who's left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give you peace, declares the Lord of hosts. That sounds like hope. Beyond judgment, praise God. This is what the prophets are doing time and time again. See? That's not so bad, right? Correction is actually kind. And uh, that's another little uh, sugar stick that you can just take with you. Correction is kind. What? All right. So here's what I really want us to, to hone in on tonight. Okay? What is obedience then? Prophets are coming in and they're saying, hey, this is, this is what you need to do. This is what the law was doing. The law was help for us to obey God. And so then it should raise this question in us. Uh, why should I be obedient? What is obedience doing? And I want to say first, here's what obedience is not Okay, we say that this is what obedience is not. not very good. Obedience is not biblical obedience is not just grinding your teeth and doing something that you don't want to do because I love Jesus. Right. That's not biblical obedience. So what is it? Biblical obedience is not doing what you don't want to do. It's doing what you've always been designed for. Doing what you've been created for. Baseball fans? Anyone? Anyone? Astros fans? Go Astros? Right? <laughs> I was like, watching it right now. Going for the sweep. Okay, so I, I, I want to I tell, tell y'all like this. Some of y'all are like, uh, I don't sport at all. That's okay. You'll, you'll still be able to track with this. Okay? So I want you to imagine that you are playing third base, that would mean that you're on, uh, for those who don't sport, that means you're on defense, okay? You're playing third base, and your coach, right, who ideally knows better than you, he calls you over. He says, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. He says, hey, this guy hitting, he's a righty, he swings early, he's going to pull that ball straight down the third base line, and you're standing way over there. Here's what that means, ready? 
There's third base. There's the third base line. I'm standing over here. I'm on defense. I'm ready to make a play. Coach calls me over and says, he's actually going to hit it right here. Come, come scoot over. Okay, you know better. So I scoot over, and sure enough, just like coach says, ball comes straight down the third base line because he's a righty, he swing early, and I literally just put my glove up and right into it. Perfect. Well, what happened there? Was there a correction? Yeah, standing over here, he said, come over there. Did it feel, uh, uh, did it feel icky? Did it feel like, no, it kind of felt like I just listened to someone who probably knows better. And what really happened is instead of doing something I didn't want to do, I actually positioned myself for a promotion. I was over here, and I could have said, no thanks, coach. I know what I'm doing. And I would have missed it. But because I listened, because I think maybe you know better, I actually positioned myself for everything that as a third baseman I've been created to do. It's what I'm out there for with a glove on my hand, right? To catch the ball. This is obedience. Not just doing something that you don't want to do. It's actually doing what you've always been created to do. This is what I want us to, to really get tonight. That the invitation to be obedient is not just like this like uh, domineering, like beating down thing. You better do what I say. No, it's re remember who this comes from. A loving father, a close friend, perfect lover of your soul. Who anything that he's inviting you into is for his glory and for your good. A hundred percent of the time. That's just who he is as God. Perfect track record. Anything he invites you into, it is, yes, for his glory, but also thank you, Jesus, for your good. This is what we see when the prophets are saying, hey, you're, you're a little far off the baseline. You need to come back. If you don't come back, I'm going to bench you and I'm going to put somebody out there who will listen. And they come back. And what happens? Blessing. Whoa, right in the glove. Blessed not just for themselves, but to be a blessing. Very good. Give yourselves a hand. This is the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah, and so, so here's, here's what I want us to, to move into tonight, okay? Just a very simple response. Where, where in my heart am I standing over here? Okay? That's what I'm being called to. Where in my heart... Am I, am I over here going, Coach, I'm good. I got it. And I just want to invite you to, I don't know, let the Lord point to it. Let him highlight it. Maybe you deal with it tonight. Maybe you leave here transformed. Maybe you leave here changed. 
because you decided to do what you've always been created to do and lean into the arms of a really good father. And so we're just going to make some space for that. When we were worshiping, I got this picture of like, I think it's when we were singing all hail King Jesus. And, and so like what we're doing in that moment is like we're telling our soul, think about how worthy he is. We're, we're, we're telling our soul, sometimes commanding our soul, he's worthy. He's, he's worthy. He's worthy. And then I imagined um, other things, um, we'll just call them, we'll use Christianese, we'll call them idols, and th- that we've put up by him with our behavior. Things that we've said, God, you are king, and then also I'm going to let these things sit up there as well. And I just really, I got this picture of the glory of God, like a rushing wind and an all-consuming fire, just completely knocking them off and burning them up. There's no one like you. That's what we were singing. There's no one like you in the heavens or on the earth. There's no one like you in the heavens or on the earth. And so these are the two invitations, right? Where am I standing a little bit too far over here? And then what, what idols do I have that maybe not with my mouth, but with my actions, I've allowed to sit alongside Jesus? You know it's really good that he's jealous. You, you know that? It's really good that he's jealous. What does he know? What does he know that we forget? Those things won't satisfy you. And this is just something that like as a father, like, oh, I love my daughter and there are just things that she wants that she thinks will satisfy her. And I'm like, baby, they won't, they won't. I know you want sugar again, 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 but you're thirsty. You need water. I know. We just she just got a baby bottle pop today and she's like down in the sugar and she's like, I can see like her lips drying up and I offer her water and she didn't want it. And I'm like, oh, baby, you need it. You need water, please. Don't you know it's good that he's jealous? There will be no other gods. And that conviction, that correction is such a kindness. You need water and that won't satisfy you. Oh, thank you, God. I look back in my life and I go, geez, there's just so many things that I kept going to because I thought they'd satisfy me and they were broken, empty cisterns that I dug. And I thought, God, why do you keep poking this? Why do you, why do I, I keep feeling this conviction and it was so kind and now I look and see where I'm at now and I'm like, good grief. Yeah, because this is the only thing that actually satisfies my soul. Thank you, God, that you were steadfast and you were sprinting after my heart and that your perfect jealousy that I just, all cards on the table, don't understand that your perfect jealousy said you will have no other gods. It's just me. It's actually in that place that we really get to breathe. (laughs) Right? It's actually in that place that we go, 
Oh, okay, I did need a drink. So that's what we're going to do tonight. I just want to encourage you to create some spaces. So if you need to, if you're good where you're at, stay where you're at. Um, and we're just gonna we're just gonna start this conversation, or maybe you already have. Uh, man, for some of you, I just know it was so quick. This is how it always was with me. Um, like, and, and our, our pastor talks about this all the time. He's like, pray that God will show you, and he'll wait like seven seconds, and he's like, he probably already showed you, so uh, let's go with that thing. Um, so that I, I'd be willing to bet that, that the Lord has already hi- been highlighting something. But if for whatever reason you're like, oh no, I wouldn't doubt it. Just take a second right now to ask him. Where am I, where am I uh, a little too far over here away from obedience in my heart? What idols, what broken cisterns do I keep going back to? Yeah, God, we just say that we want it, we want you to deal with them tonight. You, we, we, I, uh, we need you like a rushing wind to come and just blow them away. Like an all-consuming fire that you are, come and burn up anything else. And in your kindness, would you draw us back, <laughs> draw us back to the third baseline? in your sweet, sweet kindness, in your perfect jealousy. We hear you saying with so much love, maybe for the first time ever, we hear you saying with so much love, there will be no other gods. Jesus. Always, only Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you give a strategy if you've got a pen and a paper, if you're receiving any kind of strategy, maybe that looks like, oh, I need to call so-and-so because they've been walking with me through this, and I need to ask for accountability. Write that down. If you're like, oh, I need to get rid of this, or I need to step into this. Remember, the, the, the lightest ink lasts longer than the sharpest memory, so write it down. If you're getting something right now, put it on paper so you can go back and say, what'd you do, God? Oh, yeah, that was really good. Let me lean into that again. 48 hours from now when we go, what was he saying? Yeah, Jesus, you are the only one worthy. There's no one like you. None beside you. And yet you say to us, (laughs) come walk beside me. What? There's none like you and none beside you. And yet the invitation to us as children is, come walk with me. Come walk beside me. Yeah, I will. I'd love to. 